Uh, I'm really excited for uh, Year 12s we heard before. Um, they've finished school, got exams coming up, and we've got that swap back day that Abby mentioned. Um, that's also open to any uni students. If you guys are in the thicker study, you want to come and join us. We're going to be uh, encouraging each other, keeping each other accountable. We're going to uh, remove Netflix from the building, so we can, if you need that, come, come along on Tuesday, or come and talk to any of us if you're interested. Um, and also next week, uh, we've actually, yeah, having baptisms. One of our young adults, Alicia, is going to be getting baptized. Heaps excited for that. So come out, and there's some other baptisms. And at night, um, we haven't mentioned this, but I'm really excited for, um, we're having a Sunday roast uh, instead of our service. So we're going to be doing some board games, having a meal together. So if you want to still come next week and hang out uh, from 5.30, we're going to be here. Is that right, Murphy? Anything else? Awesome. He's going to be cooking up a roast. I'm pumped for that. Uh, so we continue in our series on the Sermon on the Mount, a beautiful resistance. Uh, and I've got a couple of copies of this book I mentioned the other week. Uh, helps unpack the Sermon on the Mount more. If you're interested, come and grab some from me. Uh, but I'm excited for tonight, and I, I really believe the Lord is going to speak to us. Um, the other day, someone recommended to me that I watch a documentary by David Attenborough uh, about um, his last kind of witness statement. Uh, it's called A Life on Planet Earth, or Life on Our Planet. Has anyone seen it? It's on Netflix. I'd really recommend it. It's really moving and powerful. Powerful documentary that showcases Attenborough's 60-year career. Uh, as like a naturalist and environmentalist. And uh, as it kind of goes through the documentary, you know, it goes through his life, we, he, um, he, sort of, he shows how uh, the health of the planet has greatly um, gone down and with the, the decimation of wildlife populations and the, and the uh, wiping out of rainforests and the melting of ice caps. And he makes these depressing predictions for the future should... Uh, humanity continue on its current path, especially for those who are vulnerable, uh, the, and those in poverty. I found the documentary really moving, compelling, uh, but there's something interesting about uh, Attenborough's analysis and his solution to climate change. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd say from the get-go, I disagree with Attenborough's evolutionary kind of framework or, or explanation for the world. And, and as a Christian, I believe in a coming new heavens and a new earth where God's going to make it all right and he's going to come again. I believe that. But there's some things I agree with. I agree with Attenborough and the beauty and the admiration and wonder of creation. I believe, agree that humans have a responsibility to steward the environment. And I also agree that the selfishness and the, uh, the wastefulness and the hyper-greed of humanity is done great and unnecessary damage to the world. Uh, but in this documentary, Attenborough is actually optimistic that things can change. And he proposes this solution. It all boils, boils down to this. Wisdom found in selfless action of humans. That's his solution. Wisdom found in selfless action of humans. Selflessness of thinking of others before the needs of your own of laying down your own advancement and satisfaction for the good of others. You know, I think Attenborough rightly sees humans, sees that humans, we need to put down our, our preference, our convenience, our kind of consumers and comforts for the sake of reducing our impact on the environment. 
But it's interesting that for every other animal species, it, it is self-preservation and self-survival, survival of the fittest, where in contrast, humanity, we must be selfless, which I think makes Attenborough's kind of evolutionary ex- explanations inconsistent with the morality and sanctity and wisdom of hu- humans. But he's right. That self-centeredness is and, and has been destructive. And so the world is crying out for the kingdom of God though it doesn't always know it. The world needs a vision of kingdom living that lays down self for the sake of love. Really, the world in its self-destructiveness needs Jesus. I really I resonate with this uh, burden for uh, looking after this environment and this burden of the damage we're doing. And I know that the solution is what Christians have to offer. This vision of kingdom living in the way of Jesus. Jesus' words on the, the Sermon on the Mount are a radical vision of sacrificial life as we're called to as members of the kingdom of God. A beautiful resistance. This is what the series is called against the pull of the world and the pull of our, our wayward heart that makes self king. And, it's, and instead, stepping into the radical, self-sacrificial life, following the way of Jesus as our King who laid down His life for us. And we can easily point the finger at the self-centeredness of big business and, and the world, but I believe tonight Jesus is challenging us, you and me, to deeper, selfless love. What kind of community are we going to be? As you look around at others and, and you consider your attitude, would you, call, would you call this a selfless community? Are we a forgiving community? Are we quick to consider the needs of others before the needs of our own? There is a deeper level of self-sacrificial love that I believe Christ is calling us to tonight. Breaking down cliques, breaking down gossip, breaking down self-preservation and comfort. Jesus, risen from the dead, ascended to heaven, coming again. He calls us and he empowers us by his spirit to kingdom living for the glory of God and a light to the world. We saw a few weeks ago, a a kingdom living involves kingdom priorities in light of kingdom rewards. I don't know if you remember that. Kingdom living involves kingdom priorities in light of kingdom rewards. And then last week, so encouraged, as Lockie shared with us, kingdom living called to be salt and light, living distinct from the world for the good of the world. And tonight, as we continue through this sermon, we see that this, this, what this distinctive living looks like. Kingdom living lays down self for the sake of love. Living in Jesus' kingdom, this call as members of the kingdom, lays down self for the sake of love. You know, we could spend weeks on this section of of the Sermon on the Mount, unpacking each of the different ethics Jesus raises. But what I want us to do is just kind of take a little zoom out and we'll catch a bit of the the themes at play as Jesus challenges, I believe, self-righteousness and self-righteous thinking, and he calls us to a deeper inner righteousness of the heart. So let me pray as we come to this, as as we come to God's Word. and I'm I'm pumped. I don't know about you guys, but I want to be this kind of community. And I need to hear from God, and and we all do. So let's pray. Lord, we come humbly before your word now. and uh, Lord Jesus, as we've been singing tonight, 
Uh, you have the victory. Our sin is paid for. You've invited us as members of your kingdom if we believe in you. And I, and I pray for us as a church uh, that you would move us to a deeper, a deeper love, a deeper righteousness, a deeper transformation by your spirit. Lord, I know that there's sin in my life and there's selfishness in my life and I pray that you would expose that and do a work in me and, and for us as a community that it would be true and that people would see us and that we would be salt and light. So Lord, please help me to speak faithfully now and give us ears to hear. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you've got a Bible, open up to Matthew chapter 5. Uh, and I want you, as you... As you coming to this part of scripture to picture with me where Jesus is speaking. So if you kind of glance your eyes over that passage, we see uh, previously John the Baptist has been put in prison. Jesus, this claiming to be the Messiah, hanging out not with the religious elites, but with fishermen, ministering to the sick and the unclean and, and the, the tax collector, the sinners, the unloved. And large crowds are starting to follow Jesus. And, and Jesus tells them it's not the rich and the religious who are blessed, but the poor in spirit. And so you can imagine, imagine you're in the crowd, you're one of these people, and you start thinking, well, Jesus must be here to throw out the old system and to stick it to the Pharisees. The Pharisees, if you don't know who they were, they were the religious ruling priests who were using the law to mistreat them. But Jesus says, verse 17, we heard it before. He says, Do not think that I've come to abolish the law of the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And in verse 20, he says, For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. You see, the Pharisees were missing something. These guys were legends at keeping the law, but their outward righteousness and their religion, Jesus says, insufficient. It's not enough. There is a greater righteousness that he calls us to in the kingdom. A righteousness that we'll see comes from a transformed heart where Christ will write his own righteousness onto our hearts. And so we need to understand, we need to make sense of verse 20 in order to understand what's going to come in the Sermon on the Mount, talking about this superior righteousness. This greater righteousness. And so Jesus will make a distinction between the righteousness of two kingdoms. The kingdom of self, where I am king. Not me, but as in I. I am king. And the kingdom of God, where Christ is king. And Jesus will show that you can be perfectly living according to the law and still be living in the kingdom of self. You get this, the righteousness of the Pharisees. You can be perfect under the law, but still be living for the kingdom of self where I am king. You know, the more I reflected on this, the more I realized that this is something I really need help with. Like the Pharisees, I'm really good at appearing righteous, but really my intentions are to get what I want. I'm good at doing something right, but really I'm doing it with an agenda manipulating the situation to serve myself. I used to do this a lot when I was living at home. I would do the dishes, I'd tidy up, I'd give mum some lovely compliments. Also, I could ask her for some money. Anyone done that before? Yeah? 
on a more serious note, in, I, I go to community group and I, I, I try and answer questions and share in such a way, I catch myself, I'm trying to share in a way so that people will think that I'm godly and holy. When I'm struggling in my faith, it's much, much easier to work harder and appear to be fruitful when in fact I'm just hiding sin and just trying to get ahead. You see, on the outside I look good, but I'm not serving God. I'm not loving others. I'm living for myself. I wonder, how about you? Where might you be appearing to be righteous, but in your heart you've taken the crown off Jesus and you've, you've put it on yourself? I want us to see Jesus isn't abolishing the law and holiness of God. Rather, in Jesus' sermon, he wants to peel back the external layer of outer righteousness and get to the heart. He's going to peel it back and get to the heart. So let's start. I want to take a look at what the kingdom of self looks like, where I am king. Living for the kingdom of self looks like three things. Self-preservation, self-pleasure, self-promotion. Three things in the kingdom of self. And remember, all of these things can be pursued whilst looking very godly on the outside. This is the distinction I think Jesus is making. You can be living in the kingdom of self, but still living for these three things. And so firstly, verse, in the verse 21, we, Jesus addresses murder. Not just the external action, but he'll say the attitude of the heart. Verse 22 Read with me, he says, But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sisters, Raka is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, You fool, will be in the danger of the fire of hell. We get angry towards others when they are in the way of our desires. This is self preservation. We get upset with people when they are in the way of our wants. Jesus is going to the heart issue. And then James, in his letter, kind of uh, mirrors this really well. He unpacks this. We read this. He says, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. This is the root of so much division. You see, conflict is not a bad thing. Conflict is a good thing. It's actually a necessary pathway for growth. But what drives us to act hatefully towards others when we respond in conflict is that what began as a good desire becomes a selfish, self-preserving, all-consuming one whether it's for security or comfort or control or recognition or our own kind of inflated sense of rightness. And so instead of dealing with the issue in conflict, we turn and we hate that person. Can you see that? In the kingdom of self, this self-preservation breeds hate. So Jesus is saying, like, you know, I didn't murder anyone. You can see in my heart I've turned to hate. I've turned to anger. And then he addresses adultery. The, the kingdom of self that elevates self-satisfaction. You know, on the outside we can appear faithful and haven't committed adultery, but in our minds and in our desires we are wanting something better. We lust after others 
in order to fulfill sinful desires. So verse 28, Jesus says, I tell you, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. In his heart. This is the key. You see, our hearts, we exchange sex and sexuality from self-giving in a covenant union. We exchange it for self-pleasure, reducing people to bodies to be abused in our hearts for our own satisfaction. So in the kingdom of self, we may appear righteous, but really, can you see, we're living for this self-satisfaction. Jesus then addresses divorce. And I want to say that there will be genuine times where couples should be separated, but what I think Jesus is condemning here is the abandonment of promise for the search of something better. See, Moses in the law had created all these provisions so that... uh, there could be divorce. But Jesus says, can you see here that it's actually going to the heart where um, this abandonment of our responsibilities so we can, we can preserve selfish desires. This is what he's condemning, this heart issue. Abandonment of promise for the search for something better. Next he addresses oaths or promises. The kingdom of self looks like self-promotion. I want to explain what Jesus is talking about here is as we invoke a higher power in order to make people believe in us in order to advance our own agendas and reputations. This is why we say, I swear to God, you know, we want people to believe what we're saying. We want to manipulate that. We invoke God in order to make our words seem more meaningful than they are. We, we throw around oaths and vows to promote ourselves rather than commit to a promise. And then an eye for an eye in the kingdom of self to protect ourselves and our own interests. We demand equal treatment and full restitution. Yet whenever we do anything wrong, we ask for grace. But when someone's wronged us, eye for an eye. And finally, enemies. We protect ourselves, self-preservation by distancing and despising our enemies and choosing to give our love only to those who will return it. So we see in the law this kind of outward, outward legality where he says, love your neighbor but hate your enemy. Jesus is coming along and saying we need a superior righteousness, an internal righteousness. In the kingdom of self, on the outside, we can appear clean and righteous, but inside we are self-centered. And this is why Jesus says your righteousness must exceed that of the Pharisees. So if you're in your Bibles in Matthew, uh, flip over to chapter 15. I want to highlight this. Uh, Jesus, again, he's speaking about the Pharisees and he's highlighting the need for a kind of righteousness that is internal. And so he says about the Pharisees in verse 8 of chapter 15, he says, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. This outward righteousness, but inside, they're living for the kingdom of self. And so we see, jump down to verse 19. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defile a person. God is judging the intention of our hearts. And this is precisely where Jesus wants to do his work. This is where he wants to bring his transformation. Remember, in Jesus' sermon, 
kingdom living is peeling back the external layer of outer righteousness and getting to the heart. But tonight I want to reframe self-preservation, self-promotion, self-pleasure as internal scripts or that kind of inner dialogue or that uh, inner narrative. Imagine if we get, get a microphone and we kind of put it up to our thoughts. I want to ask you if any of these, this script sounds familiar. I hate them. They get in the way. How dare they? This isn't fair. I need to protect my own interests. They don't deserve me. I can't believe they would do that. They are always like this. I wish they'd go away. I wish they'd die and leave me alone. Or perhaps we we hear these thoughts, a little look won't hurt anyone. Imagine if I had them in the bed right now. I deserve someone like that. Or maybe I could never have anyone like that in real life. So how could it be wrong to make them mine in my mind? I deserve that. Or I can do this because my needs need to be met. Or my needs are not being met, so I need to go elsewhere. Self-promotion. I, I, can, I can get what's mine. I'm worth it. They don't deserve it. I deserve it. My reputation is at stake. I don't know what the internal script is for you, but man, I've... As I've been in this scripture this week, I'm kind of becoming attuned to how much I'm acting out of self-righteousness, self-centeredness, instead of actually this self-denying love that Jesus calls us to. I'm an expert at looking good on the outside. I wonder if there's any other experts here tonight. So what about you? Where are we living for ourselves? You may be righteous on the outside. You might fit the whole Christian bill thing. But are you living for yourself? We need Jesus. We need His righteousness. A righteousness that we could never achieve on our own. Can you see how crooked our hearts are? And this is why Jesus is saying we need a superior righteousness. We need His righteousness. We need a new heart. We need His Spirit to come and transform us. We need a vision which He gives us of the kingdom of God where Christ is King with a new heart. And so let me tell you about the kingdom of God where Christ is King. In this kingdom, it's not outward righteousness and religion who earn God's favor. As we heard before, blessed are the poor in spirit, the humble who will come to Him and receive in repentance, in faith, His kindness, His grace, His mercy, we inherit the kingdom. And as members of this new kingdom, Jesus paves the way for a radical new way of righteousness. Friends, we have a new heart. If you believe in Jesus, He gives us this new heart and He paves the way for you and me to live this way of transformation. And so the kingdom of God where Christ is king is not characterized by self-preservation. It is self-sacrifice. Following the way of Jesus. Self-sacrifice that Christ himself modeled for us. Before we come back to the Sermon on the Mount, come with me in Philippians chapter 2. If you've got your Bible with you, or it's on the screen here. Paul is writing, and and man, this is is it. This is the God we serve and and the calling on our life. 
And let me read this to you and let these words, if you pay attention to anything tonight, listen to this. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with others, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature with God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. The Apostle Paul says, have the same mindset of Christ. This is the call to kingdom living, a new heart. We're called into this kingdom, he says, this is the mindset, this is the heart we're called to. Kingdom living that lays down self for the sake of love. So come back in the Sermon on the Mount. With that in mind, let's see what this looks like, this radical kingdom living. Number one, radical reconciliation. Uh, Matthew 5, verse 23. says, Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. You see the urgency here. It's this commitment to unity and reconciliation is radical. This call, the urgency of it. When love is our motive, we will lay down ourselves and resist the desire. This beautiful resistance to self-preservation for the sake of restoring a relationship. And so tonight, is there someone here that has wronged you? Or is there someone here that you have wronged? What are you going to do about it? Every Sunday, do you only ever stay with those people you're comfortable with, with your clique, where where you feel safe? Or, Or are there people here tonight that need your care, that need your welcome? This is the radical, selfless unity and community, this call on us, this selflessness that I'm praying for me and I'm praying for this community. Laying down self for the sake of love. This is the way of Jesus. It starts, one, radical reconciliation. Number two, uncompromising faithfulness. Jump down, verse 29. Jesus says, If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off, throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Now, Jesus is clearly not literally asking us to cut off limbs. That would be bad. But it begs the question, how important is faithfulness to you and what are you willing to give up to protect it? How important is faithfulness to you and what are you willing to give up to protect it? Now, for me, I had to delete Instagram. It was just too much of a temptation to lust. 
Or when Meg and I were dating, we had to make a rule not to be home alone together or parked in a car alone together. We knew that those spaces would cause us to compromise and compromise on this call to faithfulness, this picture of covenant marriage that Jesus was calling us to wait for. It's uncompromising faithfulness as we lay down our self and our selfish desires for the sake of love. Number three, integrity. Integrity. Come down with me, verse 37. He's talking about oaths. He says, all you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. You see, the difference is when, when we're living for the kingdom of self and we're fighting for our own interests and fighting to preserve our reputation or, or kind of manipulating the thing, there's this, if we're, if we're not doing that anymore, not living for self, then there's no need to invoke God unnecessarily. We don't need to say, I swear to God. We won't abuse sayings like, God told me I should do this. Rather, we are true to our word and we are faithful to our commitments. This integrity, our word means something. Because we're laying down self, we're not trying to preserve ourselves. We're not trying to promote ourselves. There's no space for swearing on God or or making these kind of lofty promises to get our way. And lastly, perhaps most significant of all, kingdom living looks like self-denying love. Perhaps sums it all up. Self-denying love. Uh, Verse 39. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow for you. Now this doesn't make sense if we are living for ourselves and for this world. And this is radical ideas in the, in the first century. Jesus was calling us to something greater that we have no need to protect our, protect our little pocket, but we could be radical in our generosity. When we know our citizenship as members of the kingdom of God, and when Christ is our king, we can let go of fighting to preserve ourselves. We can let go. We can sacrifice our needs and our own desires. It's the kind of love that this world needs right now. It's this vision of self-denying love kind of love that the environment is crying out for. Jesus paves the way of radical new love. What if Jesus was serious and he actually calls us to this kind of living? This kind of love. What if as Christians we were known for this? Instead of being known as bullies or, or, or cliques trying to fight for power and privilege, Rather, if people saw Christians as these crazy people who just give, just go and love, self-denying love sums up the heart transformation required that God is calling us to. Look down with me, verse 44. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your Father in heaven. Did you catch that? This is what identifies us as God's children. Why? Because this is God's identity. 
This is God's identity. We read it before. Jesus lays aside his divinity, his rights as the eternal son of God, and he dies, not for the righteous, not for those who deserve it. This is the character of God. He loves those who don't deserve it. He loves his enemies. He dies for his enemies. And so when we are his children, we share this identity. The children of the Father in heaven. Let's keep reading verse 46. It's the same idea. He says, If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. This is the perfection of the Father. Self-denying love. This is the call. This is what we're to be like. A love, a self-denying love that the Father has for you and for me. And so in the kingdom of God, where Christ is king, in this kingdom we experience his absolute love, his undeserved grace and mercy. And you see how as, as Jesus goes through, these, as goes through the law, we, we see how undeserving we are and our hearts stand condemned, but through his love, he makes us clean. He makes us perfect. He gives us a new heart. And as members, he calls us to be children of the Father, children of the kingdom. He calls us to this same kind of perfect, self-denying love, this righteousness. That's what it looks like, friends. I shared it with you a few weeks ago, but 1 Peter 2, this is just, you see it everywhere. He says, to this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Verse 24, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. Superior righteousness. There's one more passage I want to read to you because it's so important that we see this. How we are freely invited into his kingdom. It's the pure in heart, the, pure in, the poor in spirit. With, by grace, with this freedom into his kingdom. But with that freedom call, comes with a calling to live a new way and to be a new people. And so Galatians 5, verse 13 says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you'll be destroyed by each other. And I want to just take you down to verse 22. It's so important. In his grace, in his freedom, God does not leave us to strive on our own. Remember this internal transformation. He gives us a work by his spirit, the fruit of the spirit. That's what I'm praying for us, that this would be true of us. That God would do this. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace. Forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Can you see these are inner? That's what happens to the heart. And he says, against such things there is no law, there is no righteousness. This is the righteousness of God. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Cut it off. Cut it off. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Once we, we see this, it's everywhere. Kingdom living is laying down self for the sake of love, following the way of a king who laid down his self for the sake of love. Can you see that? This is the call to be 
So let me leave you with a few thoughts of practical application for selfless living. And let's spur each other on and pray for each other for this transformation in this community. Number one, make friends with those who are not like you. Make friends who are not like you. Don't do the selfish thing and only hang out with people who make you comfortable. Reach out to someone different and get to know their story. And I, and I don't just mean as we go out there. I mean tonight. I mean here. In this community. There are people in need of your welcome. I think this challenge, this self-denying love, drives us to this welcome. Number two, don't avoid conflict. I suck at this. If, if someone has offended you or wronged you, or if you know that you've wronged someone, go to them. Don't gossip about them. Don't complain about them. Go and be reconciled. It's radical reconciliation. Go to them. Talk it out. Own your own wrongs and extend forgiveness as Christ forgave you. And guys, let's cut out the gossip. It will erode this community. Let's cut it out. Don't, don't avoid conflict. Let's, let's talk it out. Number three, take radical steps towards holiness. If there's something that is causing you to sin, even if it means denying yourself, denying convenience, cut it out. If it's TV, if it's downgrading your phone, if it's deleting social media, be uncompromising in your faithfulness to God, and especially faithfulness to his vision of marriage and of sex. Number four, do something radically selfless for someone this week. Go the extra mile or the extra kilometer. Be, uh, turn the other cheek. Give generously to someone in need. Deny yourself. It could even mean limiting how much meat we eat or how much plastic we use for the sake of loving our environment. And number five, add an enemy to your prayer list. When someone is simply annoying you or maybe you've been deeply betrayed by someone, I want to call us, I think, this vision that Jesus says, pray for them. Ask God to work in their life. There's five things perhaps we can try and do in this community. But remember, we're doing it by the transformed heart that Jesus gives us. And we do it together. We spur one another on. We do this. We've come a long way, but I, this is so important. Kingdom living lays down self for the sake of love. I hope you can remember that. So as we fix our eyes on Jesus, as we pursue righteousness from a transformed and a new heart, we're not trying to dress it out from the outside. We're saying, Jesus, do a work here. We humbly submit ourselves to Jesus and our King. We radically serve others. We will be salt and light to the glory of God. Let's be kingdom members, kingdom children who live and love like Jesus. That's what I want this church to be known for. That's what I want to be known for. It's following the way of Jesus who laid down his life for us and he calls us to this living. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we just worship you and we adore you and we thank you that you... Uh, gave it all for us. That you would take upon the sin of the world so that we could be made clean, so that we could have a new heart. Lord, I know how wicked my heart is and how desperately I am in need of you to do your, your cleaning work in me. Lord, please transform us. Please work in us by your Spirit. That we wouldn't just dress up this outer righteousness, but inside still living for ourselves. Lord, we want to lay it down. We want to lay down ourselves. We pray, Lord, lead us. Lead us in love to those around us. Lord, we want to build our lives on your love. 
And the world needs it. God, we're so sorry. We're so sorry, Lord, for the ways that we are self-righteous, for the ways that we just live for protecting ourselves and, and comfort. Lord, we're sorry f- for being a community sometimes who um, fails to uh, care for those in need. Lord, we just pray that you do a work by your Spirit in all of us, that we would be denying ourselves and loving and seeking to love and loving in the way of Jesus. Lord, you've done this for us and you've set us the example. Lord, please lead us, guide us, transform us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's stand, guys, and let's worship and let's, let's pray that we would build our lives on his love. He's worthy, worthy of it all.